Do you want to be a slave or a king? Would you rather reign in glorious splendor as a king or a queen or serve in this slavish, vile servitude for all the days of your life? It's a ridiculous question, isn't it? And yet, it's one that's asked of us every moment of every day. And I'm sad to say, I choose the slavery far more often than I'd like to admit over the kingly glory and dignity. Because ultimately the question is, do I believe a liar's promise or do I follow a lover's invitation? I've believed the liar's promise time and again. And I suspect maybe, I mean, I don't suspect after seven years of hearing confessions, I know, (laughs) you have also bought into the liar's promise from time to time. What is that promise? Well, the devil, the father of lies, what does he tell us? He says, you will find happiness if you do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. He confuses the true freedom that we have in Christ with a mere license to do what I want, when I want, how I want, and no one's going to tell me otherwise. And the result of that kind of living, for me and no one else, Dog eat dog, and I am going to come out on top? Is that leading to a very happy world? Do you just see the earth brimming with joy and peace right now? In your own lives, when you have bought into that manner of living, is it just pure bliss in your families and your friendships? No, I think it's slavery. And it's slavery to our three ancient foes. Who are they? St. John describes them beautifully in his letters. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We end up, when we buy the liar's promise, that if I just do what I want, when I want, how I want, nobody tells me otherwise, I will be happy, I end up enslaved to these three. First, the world. How can I be enslaved to the world? Well, I can be feeding my soul a steady diet of politics. That makes one a little sick to the stomach. But we're scared. The world's going in so many terrible directions. We want to know. Because we think at least if I know, then I'm going to be able to prepare. And I'm going to defend my family from the forces of this world. But we get sucked into this angry vortex of just being consumed with this candidate or that one, this measure or that one, this party or that one. Families torn apart, friendships torn asunder because we've become a slave to the world's ways. We think everything has a merely political solution. Or we might be enslaved to the world because we want prestige, popularity, public opinion. I don't want to get canceled. I'm going to toe the the line. I'm going to say everything very carefully. Or I don't want my friends. To think of me a certain way, my family members to turn on me. And so I'm enslaved to the world's way of thinking. Might be possession, security, whatever it is. I am tied to this world in such a way that death is terrifying to me. Because then I don't have this world anymore. But I might be enslaved to the flesh instead. And what does that look like? Comfort. I just, 
Living a Christian life is hard and it's risky business. The Lord requires radical trust of us with what our families look like, with how we live our lives, what my private time is devoted to, how honest I am at work, how caring I am to my family. It's tough business. And it feels so much easier to just say, I'm not an axe murderer, it's fine. Like, I, I just, I'm not going to do too bad and I'm not going to do too good. And as long as God's grading on a curve, I'm going to come out all right. Right? As long as I'm not the worst person in the world, I'm probably going to get to heaven, right? But we have this enslavement to comfort. Once we turn that screen on, sometimes five hours later, we're just in this stupor of where'd I go? I just watched like three sports events and four shows and, uh, and just two movies that kept on streaming one after the other. Or the phones suck us in. And we end up enslaved to our passions and our moment's desires. What I want, when I want it, has such a control over me that I don't have kingly dignity. No, I just have the vile servitude of a willing slave to one that's not worthy of my service. The other way the flesh enslaves us is with a general preoccupation with self. My plans, my pleasures. Whatever I think is right for me, that's the gospel truth. Nobody, much less the church, is going to tell me what to do. And then that third master that we enslave ourselves to is the devil. And slavery to him looks like distrust. Because he always operates toward isolation. He is always the one who is trying to get me to distrust scripture. To distrust the church to distrust my family, to distrust my friends, to maybe only ever trust someone who I'm listening to who will never meet me, who, who doesn't love me, who might be making money off of me, but, oh, his videos or uh, his radio show or whatever the case may be. We distrust the ones God's given us and we end up putting our trust in those who don't know or love us. Ultimately, We share the lot of the ones we serve. We become more like whoever we follow. And so we may see the world, the flesh, and the devil and say, oh, I'm kind of worldly, I'm a little fleshly, and I've bought into some of the devil's anger and hatred. Well, there's another way. Because when we discard the liar's promise, what do we have? We have the lover's invitation. And what is that? Well, he says something radical to us. In the way that he lives and in the way that he preaches, our great love of our lives, Jesus Christ says that to serve is to reign. The king of the universe whom we celebrate today, the one who spoke all the universe into existence, came not to be served but to serve. He could have come down riding on a cloud, thunderbolts, and just killed all of his enemies and had like all three people who were left go into heaven. But instead he chose the humble way of service. Why? Because he's in love with us. Us! Treacherous cowards that we are! I willingly enslave myself to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And God says, yeah, but I love you so much. And I get it, it's hard for you. And so I want to make it easy for you. I want to help you out. I know raising a a family these days is difficult. 
But you know what? I want to raise that family with you, he says. Our king's in love with us. Just look at him. Look at him. That's a lover. He was not conquered by the powers of this world. No, he was defeated by his desire for communion with you. He doesn't hang there affixed to the cross by the strength of the nails, by the power of his love for you. And he has an invitation, this king reigning upon a splintery throne. He says, let me free you from whatever enslaves you. He says, do you accept me as king that you may in turn learn how to reign as I do? And what's crazy is you're free to say yes or no. Right? He doesn't say, he doesn't force you to follow him. He is not a despot or a tyrant. He says, I want you to follow me willingly. And so I give you the choice to not do so. And so if you prefer slavery to the world, you can say, we have no king but Caesar. You can echo those words of those who rejected Christ in the scriptures. You can go on your way of politics and public opinion. You can listen to ten times more politics than you read the gospel. You can only ever be concerned about what do people think of me rather than how does God truly see me. Or you can follow the Lord's invitation. If you prefer slavery to the flesh, you can sell your inheritance for a cup of porridge, as Esau did. Or you can forfeit your blessed innocence and your kingly dignity as David did with Bathsheba. You can live enslaved to every moment's passion. You can only be following pleasure and avoiding pain for all of the breaths you have left in this world. And then you can go the way of the world at the end. Or you can follow your lover's invitation. If you prefer slavery to the devil, you can keep listening to the echoes of that first foul lie that he whispered in the ear of Eve. When he said, did God really say, don't eat of that tree? Oh, that echoes in every temptation we've ever had. Is God really worthy of your trust? Is he really going to take care of you? Does God really mean what the church says about contraception? Does God really mean what the church says about fair practice and honesty of an employer to an employee? Does God really mean what the church is saying? And fill in the blank there. That echo of distrust, when it seeps into our soul, makes us slaves of the devil himself. But there's another way. We can say yes to the Lord. We can say, I want you to reign over my life so that then I can share in your kingly dignity and and I could actually have some more ownership rather than slavery for my own soul, my own life, my own family, my own friends. And what does that look like? Well, first, we accept the Lord's reign over us. And we realize he's not a tyrant, not a despot. No, this is what the Lord says. He says, I myself will look after and tend my sheep as a shepherd tends his flock. When he finds himself among his scattered sheep, so will I tend my sheep. We tend to get so upset that the world is as it is. And then we look for worldly solutions instead of saying, Lord, we're scattered. And we need you to tend us. 
Too often we buy the lie that God is far away with a clipboard looking at our actions saying, all right, are they going to figure it out? If yes, heaven. If no, hellfire. That's not God. Instead, he says, I myself will come to rescue you, but you have to let me because I'm not going to force myself upon you. So he says, I will rescue them from every place where they were scattered when it was cloudy and dark. It's cloudy and dark outside. Often it's cloudy and dark inside, too. Right in this heart, I don't know what God's will is so often. And in prayer, maybe he feels so distant and says, there, where it's cloudy and dark, that's where I want to meet you. But you've got to let me in. You've got to invite me. You've got to let me be your king. Because I'm not going to conquer you by force. I myself will pasture my sheep. I myself will give them rest, says the Lord God. The lost I will seek out. The strayed I will bring back. The injured I will bind up. The sick I will heal. So first we need to recognize we need a king. I need him desperately. Without him, there is no order in my life. Without him, there is no peace in my soul. Without him, my family is in shambles. My friend group, there's no love there. With him, being love, just permeating every aspect of my life. With him, calling the shots through his mouthpiece, the church. I can be reigned over by one who has come to serve my greatest needs. But I can choose to say no. I can say, I don't need you to reign over me. I've got things under control. And then what the Lord says is, the sleek and the strong I will destroy, shepherding them rightly. Seems kind of harsh. But the way that the Lord destroys the sleek and the strong is he says, fine. If you want only the world's and the flesh's and the devil's protection, then that is what I will leave you with. And you will go the way of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world that will pass away for the new heavens and the new earth. The flesh which will be buried and rotting. And then the devil for whom the eternal flames were made. But he says that he wants to first reign over us so that he can then reign through us. Because all of us, we have an army at our disposal. I don't know if you knew that. Every gift and talent that you've ever had, every skill, every memory, every connection, every friendship that you have, all of these things the Lord says, yeah, that might seem unimpressive to you. I can use it. You know, if you use it for my glory, it'll win eternity for so many. If you use it in your slavery to the world, the flesh, and the devil, It'll be ultimate perdition. And so all that I have and all that I am, I muster and I say, Lord, this pathetic seeming little army of what I am, all all of my gifts and talents, all of my little weird quirks, all of that I give at your disposal. Teach me to govern it well. You see, when the Lord governs me in the sense of I come to him every single day and I lay out my whole plan for the day before him and I say, all right, King, what, how does this look? Ooh, th- this, this battle right here, it's going to be really tough because I have to talk to this person and you know how annoying she is, right? Uh, and, and you're able to invite the king to fight with you in those moments of temptation. He gives you his very kingly dignity because you've been made a king in your baptism. Priest, prophet, and king, every one of us was baptized to be those three. He can stir that up within you to where you can reign over yourself 
well because you're following the reign of Jesus Christ. And then what specifically does it look like? Well, we go to the gospel and we see that whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. And who are these least brothers and sisters of his? Do you do me a favor and look to your left and look to your right? And you see that person right there. Most annoying person you've ever met. (laughs) Well, they are because they know how to push your buttons better than anyone else. They've got the cheat code to make your head explode. That's who God wants you to love today. And to love them heroically. To be able to say, you know what? My king has given me this command to love this person. And actually in doing so, I get to muster all of my forces. All of my gifts and talents and skills. The little itty bitty stock of patience that I have. I can make it grow. Because I want to reign over my own self. The way that Christ reigns over me. Which is in service. To reign or to serve is to reign. Because ultimately, this Jesus, this king of ours, this lover, is the great bridegroom. At the end of all days, in Revelation, how does it show him? It shows him as this warrior conquering in battle, but ultimately as this bridegroom giving himself to his bride, the church. We may say, in whatever state in life we're in, am I living this state of life as a slave to the world, the flesh, and the devil, or as a king or a queen? Am I serving and thereby reigning the way that Jesus, Christ the King, serves? The way that Christ the bridegroom looks at his bride, the church, and gives his life for her, is that how I treat my spouse? If not... He's there to rescue me from my selfishness. He's there to help me find a way when it's cloudy and dark. He's there to save me and to teach me how to reign over my passions and love this person by serving them. You see, it's very fitting that we should have Christ the King, the great bridegroom, who consummates all things at the end of days, on this day today. Because this happens to be the 40th anniversary of my parents. Yeah, yeah, you can clap if you want. <laughs> and you see, that's worth celebrating. Because it's the way that they have for 40 years tried, imperfectly but faithfully, to serve Christ their King. By serving each other. That they have been able to say, you know what? Every day I fall victim to slavery to the world, the flesh, and the devil in so many different ways. But Christ is still my king and I prove that by loving this person right here. I am a faithful subject of Christ the king. How do I show it? I love my wife today. I love my husband today. I am a living image of the consummation of all things in Christ the bridegroom and the church the bride being one forever. That's what marriage is. It's a living image of the deepest reality of humanity. And they get to live it day in and day out. And you know what? So do you. So we're going to have a little renewal or a little blessing of their marriage on their anniversary. But 
you know what? You get a freebie. Today's your anniversary too because of that. Because we're going to bless all of our marriages. We're also going to bless those who are in the single life. Those who maybe have spouses who have passed on. We will bless every single person here because every one of us are members of the bride that Christ the bridegroom gave his life for. And every one of us today can renew our vows to be loyal subjects to so loving a king. Members of the bride that loves her bridegroom. Those that shun slavery to the world, the flesh, and the devil because their king loves them more than he loves his very life's blood. And that's a king worthy of my loyalty.